I'm Ted Seides, and this is Private Equity Deals. This show is an exploration of deals in the private markets. Through conversations with private equity managers, we'll dive into individual deals to learn about deal dynamics, companies, and ownership that make private equity a force in institutional portfolios and the global economy. You can keep up to date and join our mailing list at capitalallocators.com. All opinions expressed by Ted and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of capital allocators or their respective firms. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Clients of capital allocators or guests may maintain positions in securities or managers discussed on this podcast. On today's private equity deals, David Humphrey and Devin O'Reilly from Bain Capital discuss Zealous. Dave is the co-head of Bain Capital's North America private equity business and a managing director in the TMT vertical. Devin is the head of the firm's North America healthcare vertical. Bain Capital manages $180 billion, about half of which is in private equity. Its CEO, John Connaughton, was a past guest on Capital Allocators, and that conversation is replayed in the feed. Zealous is a healthcare and financial technology company that addresses the most abrasive aspects of the healthcare system. It offers solutions for payers, providers, and consumers to reduce friction in the process of pricing, explaining, and paying for healthcare claims. Our conversation covers Bain Capital's consulting roots, the healthcare technology opportunity, collaboration with co-investors and management teams, and winning the deal. We discussed their ownership of Zealous, including merging two businesses, capital structure, tuck-in acquisitions, management, and potential exit strategies. Please enjoy my conversation with David Humphrey and Devin O'Reilly. David, Devin, thanks so much for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, why don't we do just a little bit of Bain Capital background and maybe as it relates to how Zealous fits into the way you think about investing. If you think about Bain Capital's roots in investing, it, it dates back to being a friendly spinout of Bain & Company Consulting in 1984 with basic premise that we gravitate towards businesses that solve a really important problem for their customers, so have some real value proposition in their offering do so in a competitively advantaged way that create moats and competitive advantages and have some discontinuous opportunity to grow and then look for ways that we can partner with those companies to help to accelerate their growth and support them on their journey. How does coming from that original Bain & Company consulting DNA impact how you go about the types of businesses that you buy relative to what you've seen elsewhere in the industry? It's definitely an important part of our culture and how we approach investing. I would say in general, perhaps relative to some others in the industry, we always think about it as a market first and what's the strategy and market structure. So usually the first questions we ask ourselves when sitting down with a management team for the first time is what's the competitive structure look like? What's the market ecosystem look like? Really understanding that at a pretty deep level before we look to actually make an investment in a specific company. Obviously, there's financial elements to the deal, leverage on it, who are we going to sell it to? We think about those things for sure as well, but they're a little bit more secondary in our approach to the world. The other thing, given the heritage, is the idea that we're definitely willing to roll up our sleeves, really help our companies. We have some capabilities that are unique and helpful to our companies. 
I think about it on similar terms. We are looking for situations where a business is of fundamentally really high quality and we understand why that's the case. So we're asking the why question a lot. What makes this business's product so valuable? What makes it so advantage relative to this competition? Make sure that we really understand the root causes of that. And it's a business at some inflection point. We see the opportunity for some acceleration or some way in which through our partnership with that management team and that company over the course of our ownership, we can help to support accelerated performance, which ultimately will translate to investment returns. So we're really looking for that combination of things. Just add on another element there. A lot of firms say they're collaborative. We actually go out of our way to create partnerships. So about half of our deals are in the form of partnerships. Oftentimes that's with another investor, like in this case, We've had a great partnership with Parthenon Capital on Zealous. They were the earlier stage investor that got the company going in a really impressive way. And we were excited to join up with them in 2019, but also, you know, with our management teams and with other external partners, that's just the philosophy of we might be the owners of the company, but we also want to earn our seat at the table and be great partners to our teams. That's great. Let's turn to Zealous. How did this thinking and approach factor into finding the opportunity? One of the ideas that led us to Zealous in the first place was sitting in the boardrooms of a lot of our healthcare services companies and hearing from them the challenges and stories they have around healthcare payments. Super complicated to get paid efficiently, the right amount, the fair amount. It dawned on me one board meeting I was in where one of our healthcare services companies was talking about having hundreds of people sitting in a call center type setting just focused on collecting payments. And that was a wake-up moment to say, boy, there must be a better way to affect healthcare payments. That was just one element of how we got here. So Devin, when you had this kernel of an idea that there's a real problem with payments in healthcare, how do you go from that recognition and theme to a deal with Zealous? Good question. And Dave and I work together and bring both on my side, the healthcare background and on Dave's, the software and tech background. Really, when we have an idea like this, what we like to do is just say, okay, well, what are the companies out there that are doing interesting things in this broad problem of healthcare payments? Let's go start meeting them. Let's go start thinking about who out there is doing innovative things. And Dave can also talk about our investment in Waystar, which broadly in this space, that was one of our first investments. Dating back to 2016, we bought a business called Navicure, which we then formed into a business now called Waystar in 2017. And what Waystar does is it provides software to providers to allow them to track their claims and their payments electronically through their system. And through the experience of building and being invested in Waystar, we just saw how massive and important the payments side of this problem was, in addition to, as Devin was talking about, all of the healthcare services experience that we've had with providers and seeing that from a provider's viewpoint. And we thought, how valuable would it be to not just be the software that is tracking all these payments, but to actually be facilitating and connecting the payments themselves as well. That led to proactive outreach to a number of companies, which ultimately led to this transaction. Yeah. And so we actually were introduced to Zealous through one of our senior advisors at the time, a guy named Wayne Devite, who was previously the CFO and chief strategy officer at Anthem. And he said, you should meet these guys at Redcard. And also, he also happened to know the then CEO of Zealous. And he said, both these companies are doing pretty interesting things in payments. And 
when I described what we were looking for, he said, you should meet these folks. So we did. And as it turned out, Parthenon Capital was a minority investor in Redcard and the control investor in Zealous. So we started talking to them about, boy, these companies are pretty interesting. Maybe they should be put together. And that's how the initial dialogue started. Let's walk through what does Zealous do and what does Redcard do before we put them together here? Sure. Zealous at the time of the transaction was a business that did the pricing and the paying of claims. So if you were a payer and you were trying to price a claim with a given provider that was not in your network potentially, say a patient goes and has a medical procedure, a service with a given provider, and they have a given insurer, there needs to be a mechanism for pricing that claim. Zealous brings a bunch of data and technology and support to help facilitate and price that claim. They also have a big payments business that facilitates the electronic payment of that claim between the payer and the provider. The healthcare industry is still rife with a lot of checks and paper payments, and Zealous facilitates a very large and attractive electronic payments network between payers and providers. Redcard played a really important role in both the payments of claims as well as the communication, both to the provider and to the patient as to what the payments were and what the benefits were that the patient received. So putting these together allowed having one business that could price and pay and communicate the claim and be all vertically integrated together. As a business, who are their customers? What's that business model? Is it a software that they're selling to every side of this ecosystem? The way that we think about it is it's delivered in the form of technology and software, but it's really a two-way network where you have on the one side payers and on the other side providers. Basically, what we'll do at Zealous is go to a payer and say, today, it's complicated to pay all these providers Maybe you're doing ETFs with some of your biggest ones, but there's this long tail of providers that you're sending out paper checks to. There's this enormous reconciliation effort that's complicated. We'll just digitize all that. And so we create a two-sided network with payers on the one side and providers on the other side. It's valuable to the payers because they can basically eliminate all this back office to send out these paper checks. And on the provider side, same thing. Rather than having an accounts receivable department that needs to receive all these checks and reconcile them with what services are actually paid, it's all just digitized. So it's very efficient from their perspective as well. So it's really this two-sided network, the way that we think about the business. And today, we're working with 90 of the top 100 payers in health plans in the U.S. and thousands of providers. Any healthcare investment we look at, we always like to ask ourselves two questions. One is, is this improving patient care somehow or the patient experience? And two, is this adding system costs or taking out system costs, making healthcare more efficient or less efficient? And on both those dimensions, what Zealous is doing, if you think about it from a patient experience perspective, we were touching on this earlier on the communications part of the business, just creates a lot of confusion with patients. You probably receive this thing in the mail that says, this is not a bill. Kind of looks like a bill, but it says, this is not a bill. Most people look at that and throw it away. And then maybe later they get some kind of bill, actual bill from a provider. And they're like, why do I owe this? How much do I owe? We're trying to digitize that whole experience and just make that more simple for patients. And then from a cost perspective, 
This eliminates costs on the payer side, having people processing paper checks, people manually going through, what's this claim? How much should I be paying this provider? And on the provider side, the whole digitization of these payments eliminates a lot of waste and a lot of time and effort. We felt really good about both those two dimensions when we thought about Zellis through that lens. So you find these two companies, but one is majority owned and the other minority owned by Parthenon. How do you go from the recognition that these are businesses you may want to be involved with to having a seat at the table? The idea that these companies might eventually go together had crossed Parthenon's mind. They're very smart and thoughtful and put that minority investment into Redcard as a bit of a perhaps down the road option. As the businesses continued to grow, it became apparent to Parthenon that this could be a really interesting combination. And they eventually ended up running a small process with us and a couple other parties to figure out who would be the right next partner for the business, with this combination being the catalyst. Given all the time we had spent with all the parties around the table, the Zealous side, the Red Card side, Parthenon team, their crosstown friends here in Boston, we were able to come out on top. Part of it was just our familiarity with the business, and it creates the willingness to lean in when you understand a business and an ecosystem at quite a deep level. So you mentioned that Parthenon ran a small process. What was that auction like? It was like many that we would see and that there were multiple parties getting information on Zealous and Redcard and evaluating the combination and evaluating the opportunity. But what was an important element of it was that this was Parthenon looking for, of course, the most value that they could get for that combination, but also picking a partner for the next stage of the company's evolution because Parthenon remains today our partner in the business and was going to be heavily invested in the next chapter of Zealous's journey. And so we were both evaluating the Zealous business, evaluating the red card business, thinking about the combination and what value could be created from that and what we could pay for the business, as well as thinking about the ways that we could help and support the newly combined Zealous red card business now just called Zealous, and be good partners to the company and to Parthenon for that leg of the journey. What did you see when you did the diligence on the deal in terms of the opportunity? Broadly, in the three areas that the company was operating, it's still a very nascent space. I think that when you think about payments as an overall industry have evolved rapidly over the last 20 years, but healthcare, because of the complexity, is just earlier in that journey relative to other payments ecosystems. Our partner, Matt Harris, on our venture team worked with us on this deal as well. And he actually is focused on payments businesses across industries. So when we talked to him about it, he said, wow, healthcare is an enormous market. It's just very early days relative to pick another industry, real estate or accounts payable, or small businesses, other payments businesses he had invested in. It's just early stage, but it's a huge market. So that was one thing that excited us was just the traction that the business had already, but the large opportunity in the space. To put some numbers around that, healthcare is a huge part of the economy. It's a sixth of the economy. There are something like $2 trillion of healthcare payments in some form or another happening every year. And there were still $500 billion a year at the time of our investment of paper checks being written in the healthcare market between a payer and a provider. We just saw this massive opportunity for an electronic payments business in this enormous market that was still arcane for all sorts of accidents of history. What was the size and scale of this business when you bought it? The company in 2019 was already a 
scale business on the order of $500 million of revenue growing well over 20% and very profitable, growing at a high rate. And so one of the things that we thought about this as our core fund investment, it actually matches a lot of the criteria that our venture fund has as well for growth rates. But that kind of growth at scale was really interesting and appealing to us. And well, because it's a nascent industry, we had to rely on some of the analogs to size what the future growth might look like. There was already a proven track record, so it wasn't rolling the dice. We felt pretty confident when we got in and understood the traction that the business had already and the market opportunity and the white space that existed. It became apparent that there was a lot of opportunity for the business. Yeah, I mean, this was very much not a venture capital deal. Parthenon had built up Zealous through a combination of acquisitions, and then there was the record opportunity. This was a scale business. But what excited us, what has the market size and the growth potential and characteristics of a growth opportunity, at least, and the quality of the offering, the quality of the competitive position of an established business. We were thinking about how can we take this business that was still pretty young in the way that it had been formed through various combinations and support it and invest behind it to have it grow behind this enormous market. What were some of the risks you saw in the deal? One of the things we think about in any deal is what's a competitive environment look like? Obviously, that was something we dug in on here as well. One thing that gave us encouragement is that there were some players that have been around some of these markets for a while that we're not quite doing what Zealous was doing. So we felt like Zealous had innovation and technology and was a little bit more advanced. And this two-sided network was also a pretty interesting approach to the market. So we felt pretty good about some of the more established competitors in some ways we're displacing. We also spent a lot of time, though, thinking about, given how nascent this market is, what are the new competitors out there or who might come about? And There's some other smaller competitors in this space doing things somewhat similar to what Zealous is doing. We have, relative to some of those companies, a lot of scale and I think a pretty good head start on many of them. I'd add two more. One, anytime we're investing in the healthcare ecosystem, especially if we're talking about pricing and paying claims, healthcare transactions that are happening between providers and payers, of course, there is a broader regulatory question as to how is the healthcare ecosystem evolving and different ways that that could affect Zealous's business positively and negatively. Broadly, we think that Zealous is on the right side of where that market is going and goals that various constituents would have for it and that it's lowering the cost of healthcare for the system. And then the other one I would say is this was a growth bet of a big business, but putting two scale businesses together that need to integrate and then grow in a substantial way to drive our equity return. And so there's, of course, execution risks around making sure that the integration goes well and smoothly and that the business can continue to scale. So when you put this together and you're in a process, you've got a scale, rapidly growing business. How do you think about price? Yeah. Zealous at the time, and certainly is today, a super high quality business. When we look at valuations, we look at a number of things. We look at what are the analogs for companies that might look a bit like Zealous. And actually, in this case, because of the growth rate and the innovation and the nature of the most advanced technology, we had to look outside of healthcare as well when we looked at Zealous. So we looked at high growth payments companies, looked at some vertical software businesses that have some similar characteristics to Zealous. 
And then just generally too, we like to think about for any investment at Bain Capital, we look at what's the price you're paying for growth? What kind of multiple are you paying for a business growing at X? What we found in this case, given the characteristics, the moats around the business and the outlook and the TAM that the company was going after that we felt highly confident around the company continuing to grow at the same pace that it had historically. And actually in the last couple of years accelerated. When we look at price for growth, while it was a high price we paid, it's a super high quality business, we felt like the price for growth was fair. The other thing I would say is at the end of the day, when we're making the judgment as to what price to lean into for a business that we like very much, we are looking at what do we think the risks are, some of which we talked about, what do we think the opportunities are, and how does that all distill into a distribution of potential outcomes in that investment? If things go wrong, what does that look like? If things go really right, what does that look like in some sort of a expected case? What does that look like? And what is the judgment of the team? What's the judgment also of our broader firm just around that distribution of outcomes? And as we looked at Zealous, one of the reasons that we wanted to lean into a price that was full for a very high quality business was because it was a business that is well insulated and protected from the value proposition that it's offering that we talked through to payers and providers and its competitive position and the like. Surely things could happen in execution of the combination. And we saw a truly substantial upside opportunity with a business that's got this solution in such a large market and with so many other M&A investments that could be made into the business, product investments that could be made into the business that we saw a much greater probability of being very successful relative to the risks of doing worse than what we were assuming. And we thought that that upside opportunity was pretty unusual in such a growth asset because, of course, growing businesses are terrific. We love them. Uh, we've invested behind many of them, but they require very full prices because others recognize that growth. And so to have real upside, you have to see opportunity beyond what's expected and anticipated. And we saw that here. So David, as you mentioned, presumably some of the other people looking at the business saw at least many of the same characteristics that you did. How did you go about the auction process? So you talk about a full price. What did you first put in front of Parthenon and the company to buy the business? Of course, there were a couple of rounds of indications of value that culminated in a final bid and a lot of back and forth discussion with Parthon as they were considering their alternatives when it came to that final bid relative to others. And to be clear, we had to pay the highest price to win as these things often go. But we spent a lot of time both with Dave Amen at Parthenon and with the Zealous team building alignment around what would the go forward plan be if we were to do this together, because this is fundamentally a partnership and making sure that we were fully aligned there, as well as helping share with them, with the red card founders who are still on the board of the business today, and we're investing with the Zealous management team, ways that we thought that we could be supportive, helpful partners. So building that alignment and rapport. If you think back to this distribution of outcomes, how could we really assess and get confidence in the probability of upside scenarios bearing fruit? And Devin was talking earlier, for instance, about Matt Harris, who's our partner in our venture capital business, has invested in a number of B2B payments businesses, not in healthcare, but in other sectors that we spent a lot of time with Matt, with advisors, looking at other business-to-business payments businesses that had been very successful. What did it take for that to happen? And what lessons could we draw from that to this situation and why, therefore, did we think that there was more upside than someone else might? 
in your initial rounds of bidding and then finally winning this bid, what was the degree of price that you had to increase in order to win the deal? From the first round bid to the final bid was somewhere between 12 to 15%. Ultimately, we settled on 5.7 billion. We felt good about that from a price for growth perspective, but we had to lean in at the end. And this was, I think, a decision by Dave Ament and the other parties around the board, some of the historical investors and the red card team that there was a pick your partner scenario. Had it been a wide auction, they probably could have gotten a similar price from others. So you've alluded to a lot of things that could happen once you own the company. This merger with Redcard, there's acquisitions, sometimes operational changes, a terrific management team. Why don't we walk through what that game plan was that you agreed to with Parthenon and the management team, and then what's happened in the last three years? Step one, I would say, is the business was executing really well on their plan, but we said, what are ways where perhaps we could help accelerate that? For example, focusing more on health plans as an opportunity. We have some folks on our team that help our companies with Salesforce effectiveness. Another thing that was really important in the early days was the integration of this initial catalyst merger with Redcard. We also have on our team and Parthenon team helped with this as well of having kind of an integration task force to make sure that that went really well both from a technology perspective, but also from a cultural perspective. And one of the things I think is unique about Zealous today is that many, if not most of the entrepreneurs that were involved with some of the predecessor businesses are still working in the business today, or in some cases like the Redcard team, they're on the board and remained investors. It has a tremendous culture of entrepreneurship that we wanted to be careful to preserve as we built a bigger company. That's something that we spent a lot of time collectively on with Parthenon and the management team to make sure that we preserve that. What were some of the ways you were able to do that? It's a dynamic company in a dynamic space. And so when we work with the team to support them, one of the things we do is to always encourage innovation. And we've had a lot of organic product innovation in the business. So that's one thing, setting up the right sort of abbreviated stage gate processes to be able to get new products and solutions to market quick and to test things and not belabor decisions, getting into over-analysis. I think that the company has a great track record and has a good roadmap for where to go. And so we've been able to support that in a nimble way. Another thing too is just having equity ownership spread throughout the team is something that's really important and aligns incentives and creates a lot of opportunity. And then I think we've also been reflective and had good alignment with the whole board and with the team around where do we go next? Because this space is evolving really quickly, we need to be out in front of it. There's a lot of competition. We need to stay ahead of this competition. And I think we've done that really well. One of the big initiatives we've had is getting into the consumer opportunity at Zell. So that's been creating a whole new leg to the strategy stool here that is really exciting for customers, but also for people at the company to have another whole growth leg within the company. And the only other thing I would add to that on the staying entrepreneurial is we'd be remiss if we didn't mention specifically Jody Martini and Eric Schaefer, who are Red Card founders who invested heavily in the business with us and are still on the board today and therefore bring at the board level that entrepreneurial perspective, as well as frankly, Dave from Parthenon helped build the business from a much smaller spot to the scale that it is today. And having some of that perspective and alignment makes for a very fruitful partnership. 
Mergers rarely come together without some level of stickiness, even when they work. I'd love to hear some of the things that were challenging in bringing these two businesses together. I have to say, this one went really smoothly, given that Parthenon had been a minority investor, partner with Joe and Eric and the other partner, Drew, historically, and had a common vision. We collectively spent a lot of time with everyone, the Red Card team, Zealous team, Parthenon team, to align on what the strategy would be if we were going to make this investment and be their partner. At the time that this all came together, we had spent months talking about this and had really good alignment around it. It went quite smoothly from a customer perspective as well, because actually Redcard and Zealous were already working together. Redcard was working with other payments providers as well, but they'd already been a partner with Zealous. Oftentimes, things get hung up on the cultural side of things as well, but both companies had that shared culture of entrepreneurship that I think is a really important underpinning. The technology integration also went really smoothly. And I have to say that because we spent so much time up front aligning and talking about what the purpose of this was, what the strategy was, it actually went quite smoothly. Curious how you financed the deal. We had debt financing as a component of the deal. Because it was really a growth-oriented investment, we didn't put as much leverage on the business as we could have at the time. And from memory, it was like four or five times leverage out of the gates, which for a business of this quality and predictability could have been quite a bit higher if we wanted it to be. And then the rest was equity capital. And I think the important element too here was there was a lot of historical investors in the business that had been involved in earlier stages of the business. That's another thing that creates alignment is all the important constituents around the table also being material investors in the business from an equity component standpoint was an important part of the success here, I think. So how'd you determine how much debt to put on? You mentioned four or five turns and it could have been more. Why four or five? Why not six or seven as the case may be? We were all of the mindset that this was a growth-related thesis. It was a business that we wanted to have a lot of flexibility to continue to invest in and innovate, that M&A could be an important part of the journey. And so having some capital available to finance future M&A would be very valuable and not wanting any of the decisions around the integration or the investment and trying to keep that entrepreneurial spirit to be affected by having taken the last dollar of debt available at the outset of the investment and the reality of the returns is they are going to be driven by could we sustainably grow at the 20 plus percent per year rates that we were striving to much more so than if we had an extra turn of leverage in the initial deal. So what's happened with the business over the last couple of years? It's off to a great start. The business was around 500 in revenue when we bought it. It's going to be over a billion dollar business in revenue this year. It remains a very profitable business as well. So it's a great organic revenue growth, which has been great to see. We've done two acquisitions. One last summer, the company called Sapphire, which became the underpinning of this consumer member strategy. It's a business that provides patient navigation and transparency. Transparency in healthcare is a really important element, and there's been some regulation that's been positive for this business in the last couple of years, benefiting patients and just helping patients navigate. Where do I go to get my care? What am I going to pay when I go to get that care? But it's also great for patient outcomes as well as holding down the cost of healthcare because 
if you can get the same level of care in an in-network solution versus an out-of-network, that's obviously good for the patient, good for the cost of healthcare. So that's what that company does. And we're building on bringing together the payments capabilities of Zealous with that member consumer approach that Sapphire has. And we have some pretty exciting new solutions that are coming out to market in the coming months. That was an important deal. We've also recently done an acquisition of a company called Payer Compass on the cost containment solutions part of the business. The pricing of claims plugs in and adds some really important additional capabilities for us in that part of the business. Those have been great additions. We've also leveraged a lot of the great talent in all the organizations that are part of Zealous. And the team now is also led by a woman named Amanda Eisolk, who worked with Dave and I for more than 10 years at Bain Capital as an operating partner in our healthcare IT and technology groups. And actually another one of our former colleagues, Brian Gladden, is a CFO. And Brian comes from a seasoned CFO background, previously the CFO of both Dell and Mondelez. So we got an awesome team behind us, partnering with us at Zellis as well. And seeing how that team has expanded and built over time has been really exciting to see over the last couple of years. That's been really exciting. And Amanda's leadership has been terrific. As we look at a business that's a billion on its way to 2 billion, hopefully on its way to 5 billion of revenue ultimately in massive markets, just having such a high quality team beyond the people that we've mentioned on this as well. And you think about all the individual businesses and functions underneath Zealous, we think they're just doing a terrific job. How did you think about rolling with the existing management team alongside of these injections of people in the Bain Capital ecosystem into the business? The level of talent in the Red Card and Zealous teams is super impressive. This guy Yusuf, who runs our payments business, one of the original entrepreneurs behind one of the smaller businesses that became Zealous, it's super exciting to see someone like him evolve into this awesome leader of a huge part of the business, someone who embodies the spirit of Zealous with entrepreneurship and deep background in this space. But it's also been interesting, too, to see how others have come into the business. You know, we mentioned Amanda and Brian, but JDD runs another very big part of our business, the cost containment solutions part of the business. Jay was actually the CEO of a business that was bought by one of our other companies, Waystar. So we're able to convince Jay to come over and join us as well. And so over time, this cultivation of talent internally complemented by others that have come into the business, complemented by folks that have been part of some of the predecessor companies and that have stayed with Zealous, it's a pretty exciting and compelling management team. And Ted, you used the phrase injecting talent from the being capital ecosystem. That wasn't the way that we were thinking about it when we approached the Zealous investment. It all arose organically because those people knew the business very well and were enthusiastic about the opportunities to present themselves and happened to be the best people for the job at that point in time. But Amanda had actually been a board member at Waystar and had been working closely with Zealous. And when the CEO opportunity arose here was something that she was really excited about. Parthen was excited about, we were excited about. Most importantly, the Zealous management team was excited about. Brian similarly had worked with the business and then raised his hand when there was an opportunity. We're always looking for how can we leverage our scale as an organization to help find the best talent for all of our companies. This is a bit of a unique circumstance in that literally a couple of those people had been working at Bain Capital, but that wasn't the initial design. One of the things I was curious about in your long histories in the business, these sectors in particular, healthcare and IT, have been big growth areas. And if you go back a ways, a lot of the deals in the private equity ecosystem were more 
cash flow generating leveraged buyouts compared to what you see today. How have you experienced that shift over time into what's become a more competitive space, more growth businesses, clearly higher multiples of purchases back from the early days of bank capital? Fundamentally, what our style of investing, what our heritage is, is looking for inflection points in businesses. Sometimes that can come from something dynamic happening in the industry. Sometimes that can come from an opportunity that we see in the business. Maybe it's a really interesting industry, but a company that maybe could perform better within that industry. We don't necessarily say we want this amount of growth and this amount of buyout. We're always looking for that inflection point opportunity. We find that in those situations, it's complex to understand, but we also feel like we have the resources to help support. So in the case of Zealous, it was about, here's a great company that's growing at a high clip. Can we help accelerate that? Can we help maintain and accelerate that kind of growth rate behind a dynamic entrepreneurial team? So when we look at both healthcare and tech, we have different flavors of deals, some that are a little bit more of a buyout type of flavor. I've certainly done, and Dave has as well, situations that you might even call a turnaround where it's like, hey, this is a business that's underperforming, but it's in a good industry. It has an interesting market position. And we certainly have growth investments. And given the nature of healthcare IT, most of them fit that flavor of growth. But the commonality across everything we're doing is looking for this inflection point. If you look at the technology markets more broadly, as we track and look at the technology private equity markets, obviously on a regular basis, it's undeniably true what you were saying, Ted, that the market has shifted towards there being more growth profile investments at scale than certainly would have been the case 10 years ago, even five years ago, and certainly going further back. By our measure, depending on the year, now as much as a third of the technology private equity dollars invested in a given year into growth profile investments that may not even have current profits, but are growing very quickly and need to think about how to value Zealous was, in many ways, the best of both worlds, and that is a rapidly growing business, but also one that's meaningfully profitable and scale, but still fits within having to think about not just what a business is today, but how will it evolve? And therefore, how much do you pay for that opportunity today? Often less debt, more equity, and return more driven by the growth. We still think that it comes back to the same fundamental questions, though, of how valuable an offering does the business have? How advantaged is it? And what can we do together with that business? And therefore, how do we value something that may be at even more of an inflection point than you would have seen 10 years ago? Let's talk about how you think about the ultimate exit strategy of this business. It's still early on. How are you thinking about your holding period here and what you're trying to do in this chapter of your ownership? At the moment, we're just continuing to execute. We're only three years in. We still have tons and tons of opportunity with the business. This is the kind of business that it feels like we could own for a very, very long time. When we think about it, and this was similar at the time that we originally did the deal, is that it's really interesting from the perspective of, we think it would be a great IPO candidate. The company has a lot of characteristics that would, I think, make it a differentiated public company in a big space with high growth and market leadership. We actually think that there could be an opportunity to do more of a recap type deal to continue on as investors and perhaps bring other investors into Zealous. We've also received strategic interest in the business. It speaks to the quality of the company. could be any one of those things, but we're in no rush and we love being a part of the business and see a tremendously exciting outlook for it. How do you go about the process of deciding when is the right time to take that next step in any one of those outcomes? 
there's no one magic answer to that. This is an investment, as we've described, where there are multiple parties involved. So there's us, there's Parthenon, Joe and Eric and Chris and others on the board from various time horizons. There's the management team, what they want to do. Of course, there are external factors, what the macro environment is and what the capital markets are and what have you. The only way to do it is a lot of conversation and alignment with that group, all picking something that we think has the best interests of the business at heart, as well as achieving the goals of all the various parties around the table. So that's not meant to be a non-answer, but it's just the reality of it is that extensive collaborative discussion with all the various constituents involved. What are your key lessons learned from this deal? The deal is not over, of course, so we hope to have even more good lessons when all is said and done. But one would be, and you learned this lesson multiple times, I know we both have throughout our career, the importance of a fundamentally high quality growing business that we can try and be so precise in estimating the future and pricing things at a point in time that we make an investment. But if you have a business that has such a valuable offering in such a big and underpenetrated market with such a strong competitive position, odds are likely that more things will go in your favor than will go against you. And we can have a tendency to underestimate the unseen or the unknowable and therefore even undervalue those core assets. Yeah, I would just add the people behind the business make it. And we mentioned a lot of names, but just the hunger, passion, the entrepreneurship existing in the company. It's hard to analyze that per se, but that's something that I think makes the company special. And I think hopefully we've been able to add to that. And I think an important component of that is the mission orientation of the business as well. And their slogan is pay for care with care. We talked about earlier, ultimately, I think this improves patient experiences and demystifies payments and makes our healthcare system more efficient. When you wake up in the morning, at least for me, that's something I get excited about is be able to partner and work with companies like this. Finding those attributes is not easy to find, but when you see it, I get pretty excited about it. Along those lines, for me, learning, and I say this as someone who's a broader technology investor, it gives me optimism for innovation in healthcare. And at the one hand, you can look and say there's this huge market and there's $500 billion a year of paper checks still being written. And you think about the claims process and how intricate and arcane it is. But then you think about the innovation going on at this company and across the economy and what that all could mean 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's exciting to see from the vantage point of this situation. Great, Devin. David, I'd love to ask you my closing question, which is what is your favorite aspect of private equity? I'm happy to start. My favorite aspect of private equity is a combination anyway of the people and the ever-evolving set of problems that we are grappling with. Every business that we're invested in, every economic climate is different, but our business at the end of it all is trying to work with great people at our firm, at the management teams that we partner with, other investors that we partner with to try to support and shape the growth of the business we invest in a positive way. And seeing all the evolving challenges to weigh that problem gets manifested with extraordinary people along the way is a blessing. For me personally, investing in healthcare companies is really exciting because I look at our job as helping make patients' lives better and helping make the healthcare system more efficient. But fundamentally, broadly in private equity, I had been involved with some startup businesses before I got into investing. I love the entrepreneurship aspect of what our business is. And so fundamentally, I view it as working with internal colleagues and great management teams 
to go out and create businesses, to help businesses grow. And also for managing our business to go find new sectors to invest in, new geographies. I love that entrepreneurial overlay and being able to do that across many companies is really exciting to me. David, Devin, thanks so much for sharing this opportunity with Zealous and wish you all the continued growth and success in the business. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, hop on our website at capitalallocators.com where you can access past shows, join our mailing list, and sign up for premium content. Have a good one and see you next time. 